those of you who I haven't met, my name is Matt Hardy. I usually attend the uh, Pineda uh, congregation a further north of here. I'm an elder there. Have been an elder for, I think, six or seven years up there. Time goes fast and I'm not good with time. But um, To say that I am honored and blessed and excited to be here is an understatement. Um, you guys who are in here may not know, um, but a Crosspoint congregation in the south of Brevard, in the Palm Bay area, has been a dream, a wish, a prayer for close to nine years. We had an uh, original uh, partner with us at Crosspoint who lived in this area and became a church planter, felt called to plant a church, was starting to even look into it. His name was Bill Dumphy. Um, we were encouraging him. We were excited about the prospects. And then he decided to go to Virginia and plant the church. And he struggled for a long time. And now he's got a beautiful church uh, that the Lord has chosen to plant there. And Bill is a part of that. We were then uh, blessed to partner with the Helmetallers and send them out. And they planted uh, Bayfront. Some of you here were from Bayfront. And that was exciting for us. And we got to walk with Matt through a lot of that. And then um, the opportunity uh, for him to step down and for Justin to step in. Such a, such a beautiful thing. Um, much of the history of the way that Crosspoint has come around, come about in Brevard County, if you told somebody, this is what we're going to do to plant a church, they would probably strongly advise you not to do it the way that it's, the way that it's happened. But that's the way we know God's hand has been in it. To see two congregations planted during a, during a pandemic year, to see uh, pastors brought in and flourish, to see the way that God has chosen to do it has been a blessing. To be here today, to see prayers answered uh, is a blessing. Uh, to be a, a partner with Justin, um, nine months ago I didn't know Justin from anybody, and now he's my brother, and God does that, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, and it's just a beautiful thing to be here today. I'm excited that we get to continue in Mark. Um, I hope you guys have been enjoying the series in Mark. I uh, preached earlier on a different passage and talking about how it's kind of like these little Netflix episodes. We get to see these little piece of who God is, a little piece of who God is over here. We see Christ revealing himself over and over. We get to see Jesus as a storyteller as he gets into these parables. And he starts telling stories to the crowd. Um, and we get to see that Jesus created us in a specific way that we enjoy story. He's made us to enjoy story. It's part of the history of humankind is oral tradition of history passed down and stories being passed down. Um, it's a way that even the children can lean into stories and listen. So I invite us today, as we see this, as we see this story, this parable today, I invite you to really lean into it. And the scripture that we're going to look at today invites you to lean in and listen and pay attention to what he'd have us here today. It's a continuation of the sermon from last week. If you didn't hear the sermon from last week, I highly recommend you go and listen to the sermon from last week because there's a key passage in there that helps us figure out how the parables work. Um, Justin did a great job of breaking it down. And I what we're going to talk about today and in the future, built off that. So again, it's key that you listen to that one. So just like last week, though, we are going to ask for attention. We're going to ask that you, that you lean forward, that we examine this parable, and 
It's a short parable, and it's kind of confusing if you just read it once. Um, but by the time we're done, we'll see that it actually explains itself. So join me in prayer. God, I thank you that you've planted here, that you've chosen here to have your church on display. God, that we get to be a partner in that. Lord, I do pray for ears to hear today. I pray for your spirit to work. I pray for heart change that only you can accomplish. I pray that you, the light, would come and reveal yourself to us through your spirit, through your word. I do pray for the other congregations today in Pineda, Cape, Espanol, for our partners in South Africa, our partner with Dumfries in Virginia, partners in Mongolia, Lord, that your word would be preached all over the world today, that we would join in the church, Lord, in raising your name up high, that you would receive the glory and honor that you're due. I pray that your word would be made clear today in spite of uh, my failings, Lord, that your word would be effective, that your spirit would move. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. So we look at the passage uh, today in uh, verse 21. If you have an ESV Bible, it says, A lamp under a basket. That's the title of the parable today. But actually, there's an issue with that heading in the ESV. There's an issue with the word in the ESV. And we're going to come back to that in just a minute. But um, we see that Mark does a couple interesting things with this parable. This parable is also in uh, Matthew 5. It's also in Luke 11. But it's in different places. Right, we see this, this parable kind of placed in a unique place in Mark. Um, so what do we do? Is that okay? <laughs> is it okay that it's in this place over here and maybe in this place over here? And he said it in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, and then he said it somewhere else. And Luke and Mark has it okay, or Mark has it here. So the simplest answer is Jesus probably said it more than once. Right? He probably repeated the parables a few times. So... Mark has it here, and we'll see where Mark has it is key. It's in relation to the sowers, in relation to what comes next. Uh, it's like what Justin said. It's, it's not an allegory. It's not meant to just be interpreted however we want, whatever we find meaning in it. It has a specific meaning. And where it is in the context that it's in, it has a very specific meaning here today. So it's probably like one of those nuggets of wisdom. Like if, if you grew up with a dad, you probably heard... Nuggets of wisdom repeated many, many times. Dadisms, I guess we would call them. My dad would always say, anything we're doing is worth doing right. So he said that, I don't know how many times. If I recorded it, it'd be all over the place. I like to say uh, about parenting, my little nugget of wisdom is it's uh, long days and short years. So those, uh, those things get repeated in my life. Um, and so I think that's what happened here. I think Jesus probably used these parables over and over again. So, yeah, it's, it's okay, and it's key to interpreting it correctly. So, like I said, it's the specific wording and the specific place we'll see. We're going to reference uh, the sowers uh, quite a bit because it's where it is in the story, and it makes it understanding what's going on in this parable easier when we keep the soils in mind. So, as we read today, as we invest today, keep the parable of the soils from last week in our minds and keep that fresh. So, like I said, it says, a lamp under a basket. Now, I'm not a textual criticist, I guess is the word. 
textual criticism. Um, I don't study Greek. I don't know the Greek. <laughs> but uh, it was pointed out to me that uh, the word a, and where it says, and he said to them, is a lamp, is not the right word. It's not is a lamp. It's actually is the lamp. Um, my wife is an English teacher. She teaches AP English. I could have her come up here and explain to you why that's correct, but I'm going to take a stab at it. Um, the Greek word that they use here is called a definite article. And so that means you definitely know who it's talking about. Right? If we said a lamp, it could be anything. We could infer quite a few different meanings on what is a lamp. But it actually says the lamp. So it's definite. Um, so maybe not the best translation to use a, even though, and probably because, in the other uh, Gospels, it is a lamp. But in Mark's usage, it is the lamp. So we're going to find out what that means and why that's important. Um, not just to have a, a Greek or an English lesson here today, because like I said, I am ill-equipped to teach that. Um, so verse 21, it says, And he said to them, Is the lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? Right? Seems like a simple question. We could ask the kids in the room, do you, do you turn on a lamp and then cover it up? Does that make sense? How about it, kids? Does that make sense to cover up a lamp? No. no, we don't turn on the lights and then put a tape and cover the lamp up so it's all dark. Right? So that's what, that's what Christ is saying. Is Does it make sense to cover up a lamp? Seems like a silly question. What is the purpose of a lamp? The purpose of a lamp is revelation, right? It's to reveal what's in the room. It's to shed light into the darkness, to get rid of the darkness. When we see Christ, when we talk about the lamp, we're talking about Christ. We're talking about Jesus himself. Jesus says in John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He reveals the truth in John 9, 5. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Right? So we see a lamp versus the lamp. Right? Similar definitions. Doesn't make a big difference if we're just talking about definitions. What's significant, though, is when Jesus says that he is the lamp, he's not telling us what a light does, he's telling us who he is. He is someone who reveals the truth, he is someone who dispels the darkness. Right? It's not just his character. We see he is something that is not supposed to be hid. Right? He is something that is going to be revealed and revealing. He's telling us about himself. He is here. He is the lamp. Right? Hiding him is as, as pointless as turning on the lamp and hiding the lamp. Verse 22, it goes on, it says, For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Right? We see Jesus is the light. We see Jesus, his purpose is revelation. Jesus himself is coming to the light here. It's not his intention to remain hidden. It's not his intention to remain in the dark. It's easy to look at the parables and think, why would you speak in such a way then? If, 
Are the parables meant to confuse people, or are the parables meant to only let the people on the inside know what, what he's talking about? And no, I think that's what he's saying here. Is that's not his intention. His intention is to be the light and to reveal the light. Just like the sower. The sower was sowing the seed, right? Somewhat indiscriminately. He was sowing it everywhere. The light that shines was shining everywhere. The seed was cast, was the same seed that was cast on all the soils. The words that he's speaking today is the same words that all the listeners are hearing. What we'll see, though, is, is that it's the hearers, it's the soils that are different. Um, it's the way that the, the object is received. And he starts with it here. He says in verse 23, If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. All right, seems like a simple verse. If you have ears, use them. All right, if you have ears, use them to hear. And well, I think we heard... James prayed for it this morning. I try to always pray for it as well before a sermon. Lord, give us ears to hear. Right? Because he's called out over and over again in Scripture. Those who have ears, let them hear. Jesus is inviting us to listen. He's inviting us, if you have an ear, use it. And we all have ears, so listen up. Listen to what he has to say. And so, it, like I said, it's going to explain itself here. In, in the first part of 24, it says... And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. Right? So what are we using our ears for? We have ears here. What are we doing with our ears? We're paying attention. Right? We're paying attention to what you hear. He's elaborating on the statement. If you have a lamp, use it as a lamp. Don't cover it up. If you have ears, use them as ears. Pay attention. And when God says pay attention, I think that we should pay attention Right? Something key. This is creator God, creator of black holes and stars and universes and galaxies, and us. And he says, pay attention. But he's got something important to say. But paying attention is hard. Right? I think the climate and the culture we're in makes paying attention even harder. We talked about attention spans are, are shrinking. I know that with my teenagers, they, they like to watch quick videos. Right? To watch a movie is a big deal. To watch 93-second videos is not a big deal, I guess. But uh, we've developed a very short attention span. I think even with social media, we've, we've, we've developed scrolling habits, right? We just scroll and scroll and scroll, these infinite scrolls. Uh, paying attention to something specific is hard. Listening well is hard, right? We've, we've lost the art of listening well as well. How many of us have come to church, um, this church or others, maybe even today, and you say, I didn't get much out of that sermon. I really, it didn't affect me very, it didn't move me very much, right? Whose fault is that if you didn't get much out of the sermon, right? Whose fault is it? Most would say the pastor, right? The pastor was, was dull or monotone, not, not your pastor, but other pastors. <laughs> maybe they aren't excited. Maybe maybe they they don't they don't do much, and, and they just kind of deliver a, a boring sermon. Um, maybe it was the passage. Maybe it was a passage you've heard a hundred times before, and you just don't feel like hearing it again today. You already know what the pastor's going to say. Whatever the reason, you walk out of church, you go to lunch, and you move on with your life. Right? You just didn't get much out of that sermon. 
So I think what this passage is going to tell us today is that at least some of that falls on the listeners, myself included, when I'm listening. I'm not excluding myself from this. Um, because look at who's preaching this passage today. Uh, Jesus, right? Jesus is telling this parable. And I don't think we're going to blame the pastor on that one. When he says people, even there, some people aren't going to listen to him. So the command here is to pay attention, right? To listen. How do we, how do, we do that? How do we do it well? How do we remember this forgotten art form? There's a, um, there's a great little small book. It's like 30 or 40 pages. Um, and it's called, it's called uh, Listen Up, A Practical Guide to Listening to Sermons. And one of the things they talk about there is active listening. Right? It sounds like, a, sounds like an oxymoron. Active listening. Listening is usually passive. But this is talking about actively listening to a sermon. And I don't want to get into a full book review here, but I, I, I do want to read a few of the chapter headings and um, a couple of the things I had to say. One of the first things he says is, expect God to speak. Do we come into Sundays expecting to hear from God? Mm. Or do we come expecting to hear from Justin or, or Matt or James? Who are we expecting to hear from? Are we expecting that the Holy Spirit would actually use the Word of God to speak to us? Right? If we are, we're going to lean in a little closer and listen to what God has for us. Second one is admit God knows better than you. Right? Are we coming into a sermon with humility? Are we ready to receive rebuke? Are we ready to receive changes in our life from what the text says. The third one is check the preacher says what the passage says. Right, so we're actively listening. We're listening for what he says and we're listening for what the sermon or for, for what the passage actually says. Is the point of the sermon the point of the passage? Uh, number four was hear the sermon in church. Right? If at all possible, be here every Sunday. Hear it in person if you can. Right? We, there's a live stream and there's podcasts and there's other ways, but it's important that you be here. We need to be here. We need to be present because we need to be shaped together as a community, as a church together. And we need to be here week by week. Right? I've already said we're building on what happened last week and the week before. We preach exponentially, so we preach through these big chunks of scripture at a time. So we're all building on that together. Um, step Six was, we need to do what the Bible says, right? Not only do we need to listen to it, not only do we need to be humble and receive it, we actually need to do what it says. James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself, right? Yeah. And the last chapter says, do what the Bible says today and rejoice, right? Not just do what the Bible says, but do what it says today. There's an urgency in the scripture. There's an urgency in the priest's word that we see. We're called to repent today. We're called to walk by faith today. We must respond yeah. today yeah. and rejoice. Yeah. So these are just some of the ways that we can, we can heed that call, to pay attention, to lean in, to see what it says. We're going to keep reading and we're going to see what Jesus says. Uh, the second part of this verse has a promise and a warning. 24, the second part of 24, it says, With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. Right? It's a little, a little confusing. 
uh, use what, right? The measure we use what? The measure we use what we've heard, right? That's what we're talking about, what we're listening to, the word that we're receiving, um, to what we're paying attention to. The more we lean into the word with prayer, the more we become doers of the word, it will be counted to us, and then more will be added to us. That's good. That's good. J.C. Ryle had this to say. He said, just as the muscles of the body are strengthened by regular exercise, so are the graces of the soul increased by diligence in using them. Mm. Right? So as we're sitting here, as we're studying, as we're listening, as we're doing, we're growing that muscle of faith, right? And it's increasing. It's an invitation to use the word you hear, to listen, and to receive a promise that if you do, you will receive more. A pillar commentary has this. It says, the degree to which one hears the parables, the extent to which one allows the kingdom of God to break upon oneself, will determine the measure of one's understanding. Right? Are they confusing? Are the parables hard to understand? They can be. Right? But we need to sit under it. We need to allow the kingdom of God to break on us. That means a humility. Right? God knows more than we do. What is he having for me? What is he saying to me? What does he mean by this? And we, we look at it as a community, week by week, and we look at it together. And so, as I said, it goes even further. Christ goes even further in his explanation. He's so gracious uh, to explain. He has no requirement to explain anything, he says. He has no requirement to ever have spoken to us. Right? And yet he did. He's given us his word. He's given us explanation. He's so gracious. He says this, For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Right? This sounds a little scary. Right? To the one who has, more will be given, but if you don't have it, it'll be taken away. Doesn't sound even fair at first, right? But let's read through this with the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower in mind. Right. Last week we talked about it. We need to be here week by week so we know. Uh, so we see, right, that there was the plant that was fruitful. The plant that produced 30, 60, 100 fold fruitfulness. Now see, those plants grew up tall, right? They provided protection from the ravens that came and ate the other seed that didn't have any plants nearby. Those plants grow up and die, and they become nutrients for the plants next to them. Those plants um, cast off seed for more plants to grow. So we see that the one who is a hearer and a doer of the word, more will be given. You'll be fruitful like that. You'll be casting off. You'll be supplying each other. The one who is growing will supply others and help them grow as well. And then there's the flip side. <clears throat> The one who has not. The soil that is too hard. right? The soil that has been walked on and the heart that has been hardened. The seed doesn't even take root. There's no protection from other plants. There's no nutrients in the grounds from other plants. The ravens come. They take the seed. It's snatched away. right? What we see is both of these conditions are compounding. Right? On the bad side, it just gets worse and stays worse. And on the good side, it continues to get better and better and better. And that's what we're talking about here. Um, what, what we see is also that helps us understand this is uh, 
how, how he says, uh, he who has not even what he has will be taken away is if we think about what we talked about with the unforgivable sin. Right? What is the unforgivable sin that we talked about? Um, it was blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Right? Is it unforgivable because it was so severe that Christ could not forgive it? No. Right? Christ can forgive anything. His death is sufficient for all sin. It's unforgivable for a reason, and it's the same reason that we just talked about, this compounding problem that builds on itself and builds on itself. See, the problem is the blasphemy of the Spirit, right? When you're blaspheming the very Spirit that you need to change your heart from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, you're unable to receive forgiveness by that Spirit. Right? It becomes a condition that builds upon itself and leads to a a heart of stone that is unable to receive that very forgiveness that is required becomes compounding to the point that it is unforgivable by the person's own condition and not by Christ's will. Right? They're unwilling, unwilling or unable to accept that spiritual change. So J.C. Rowell had another helpful thing. He says, do we wish to grow in grace? Do we desire to have stronger faith, brighter hope, and clearer knowledge? Those all sound good. Beyond doubt we do. If we are true Christians, then let us live fully up to our light and take advantage of every opportunity. So what does that mean, right? It's easy to take a statement like that. It's easy to take some of the things we've talked about today and come up with a checklist and say, I'm going to get that book listed up. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to have my coffee and I'm going to show up at church every week. Right? And, and then, then everything's going to be okay. That's not, that's not what I want you to take away. That's not the point of the passage. If I've done that, the point of the sermon is not the point of the passage. Right? They're good things. Come every week. Get the book. Read it. It's great. Um, but none of those things are the point of the passage. It's the word that works. Right? Christ reveals his light. It's he that gives in abundance. It's he that takes away. Our call here is to listen to the word. Our call here is to receive the word. Not to take up a heavy yoke, training, conditioning, right? Checklist. To sit in humility and listen to our creator speak to us. What does he have to say? Like I said, Rejoice that our Creator has chosen to speak to us. He's chosen to give us His Word. He's chosen to give us His Spirit to help us understand His Word. Right? It's His Spirit working in us and through His Word. What we need to do is put ourselves in a position to hear it and pray for its effectiveness. Right? Every time uh, we give a sermon... We pray before we get into the meat of the passage, right? Before we start breaking down the verses, we always pray. And there's a reason we, we pray. And I think that, that book, that Listen Up book, uh, captured it well. It says, Preaching that makes a church Christ-like under grace takes a double miracle. The sinful preacher must be shaped by grace to preach. And the sinful listeners, you and me, must be awakened by grace to listen together week by week in humble expectancy. Mm -hmm. Only God can do this. 
So praying before the sermon is not a formality. Unless God works, stay home. This whole thing is pointless. You've wasted an hour. You're wasting your Sunday mornings. Unless God does something here today, this is pointless. That's what they're saying. We preach and listen with the hope that God would make it effective. We preach the good news that Christ was crucified, dead and buried. Then on the third day, he was actually physically resurrected and now sits at the right hand of God. And he's provided us with an actual forgiveness of our sins and in exchange has granted us his righteousness. When we preach the gospel, we preach this good news of Jesus Christ, expecting him to work, expecting him to save and change our stony hearts into hearts of flesh. We have a God who has bent down and condescended he has come to us and given us his word. He has graced us with a love beyond merit yeah. and suffered a death we deserved to die so that we would never have to. He has done all this and he speaks to us. I hope you join me in amazement that he speaks to us. Mm. He's done all this. And I invite you to lean in and listen up with what he has for us. To come with expectation that God would speak to you, in spite of the sinful pastor, in spite of the sinful congregation, right? It is God who works. Join me in prayer. God, we thank you that you work. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we can come with expectation that your word is, a, is effective, that, it's a, that it's, can be a cutting sword and a soothing balm. And we pray that it would help us come with humility. We pray that you would um, help us receive what you'd have us hear, that you would give us ears to hear, that you would give us eyes that we could see, or that you would continue to bless this congregation to be a light in this community, that they may form disciples wherever disciples may be found, Lord, that your name would be lifted high in Palm Bay. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.